I feel like we tell ourselves as athletes or competitive people that if we don't take every single thing seriously, that we're not going to get where we need to go. And that's just not true. Welcome to the Bar Bend Podcast, where we talk to the smartest athletes, coaches, and minds from around the world of strength. I'm your host, David Thomas Tao, and this podcast is presented by barbent.com. Today, I'm talking to Amanda Kohatsu, an elite powerlifter who's also the owner and CEO of Donuts and Deadlifts, an apparel brand focused on the strength community. We chat about how Amanda took over Donuts and Deadlifts, the ups and downs of running an apparel brand focused around strength, and what balance really can and should mean to people who strength train. We also chat about SoCal versus NYC and share some funny stories about the origins of strength stereotypes. Also, I want to take a second to say we're incredibly thankful that you listen to this podcast. So if you haven't already, be sure to leave a rating and review of the Barben podcast in your app of choice. Now let's get to it. Amanda, thanks so much for joining us today. The first question I got to ask, and I did give you the heads up, so this is not like a surprise question. Donuts and deadlifts, where's the name come from? It's too good for me to not ask. Okay, you did warn me, and it took me a second to think about it because it's not my name. I, a lot of people, maybe some people don't know this, not a lot of people. I'm not the founder of Donuts and Deadlifts. I am currently just the owner, CEO. So Chrissy uh, Harkler Road is her new name, but she used to be known as uh, Chrissy Mae Cagney. She started Donuts and Deadlifts six and a half years ago with a hashtag, Donuts and deadlifts because Chrissy used to bring donuts to the gym where she worked and it took off and it went, you know, back then six and a half years ago, going viral is probably what 10,000 hits <laughs> and, and it turned into a thing. And she started screen printing t-shirts with the logo on it. And there you go. The rest is history. And here, well, the, the rest isn't history because there's an important part of that we miss, which is where you come into the picture. Where do I come in? Okay, so I became a Donuts and Deadlift sponsored athlete just a short, what, uh, two years ago. And um, I, I hit it off with Chrissy and Chloe, who was her VP at the time, really fast. We're the same kind of chicks. Like we just, we think very similarly. And um, it became clear after the first six months or so at the Arnold, I think Chrissy had made some comments about, you know, uh, kind of being ready to move on. And Chrissy has sort of uh, dealt with some health issues and that kind of took her away from powerlifting. Basically, she had to focus on other kinds of training and she got really, really into endurance climbing and outdoor sports. And so that's where her passion was. And so she was running D and DL but her passion was really out of the gym and was rock climbing and, and long distance climbing, things like that. And she had started another brand already in the outdoor space and managing the two was becoming impossible for her. And so one day last year, it feels like 10 years ago now, but it was just a year ago. I got a call right around my birthday. It was actually the week of my birthday and it was Chrissy and she was uh, very nervous and she said, you know, I'm ready to walk away from this and uh, I don't want to sell it um, per se to like a stranger, but uh, 
long story short, she said, would you, would you take over? And I said, no, <laughs> I, said, <"Absolutely laughs> not. I said, that sounds crazy. I, you know, at the time, think about this. I'm just online coaching. I'm coaching and training in person in LA. And I have, I do sell some t-shirts through, you know, through Chrissy. She had helped me with that through my website, but, uh, I don't, I didn't, I'm not an apparel person per se. I never had an apparel business. So I said, no, that's crazy. You're nuts. And she said, at least come to Reno and talk to me about it. So I flew up to Reno and I talked to her about it. And there were some loose ends to tie up. It wasn't exactly like a gift. You know, I had to. It wasn't a birthday gift. No, (laughs) that's a lot of people said that to me that week. And I didn't think that was funny until now. But uh, (laughs) um, yeah, there was, there was some investments that I had to make in it. So I had to talk to my now husband, T, um, who a lot of people know probably that are listening, but, um, and we talked it over and we thought it was a worthwhile investment to save a brand that so many in the powerlifting and CrossFit community, uh, still loved. And so we invested and we took over and that's a very condensed version of a complicated story. Uh, <laughs> and so I've been uh, at the head of the ship here since January and it's only yeah, it's only what November. So it's not even like you're still within the same calendar year as when yes. you took it over. This year's been a decade though. So it, it, it feels like 20, I'm telling you. You said it felt like 10 years, but it really like everyone feels that and you get a pass. 2020 was the worst decade for a lot of people. And, yeah. and, yeah. <laughs> and it, was, it seems like it's been well, okay. So here's my question when you run up an apparel brand, for something as niche as like powerlifting and CrossFit, because donuts and deadlifts, I see, I see it in powerlifting gyms. I see CrossFitters wear it. I see some people. I haven't seen anyone wear it who isn't a strength athlete. Sometimes you'll start seeing that on the street. I'm sure at this point there are people who just come across it. They might not be a strength athlete, but they love the name and they'll wear it. Um, so, what is does the operation look like? Like, how many people? Are, are, are doing this. And we're actually talking, we're talking like a few days before Black Friday because you were lovely and awesome enough to take some time to talk. <laughs> Things are really busy, but like, what does the operation actually look like to run an apparel brand like this? It's different for everybody, you know, and for some people like Chrissy towards the end of uh, her what we call the Reno years, she had, she had, you know, built up, she moved from New York City to Reno and said, it's cheaper in Reno. Let's just print everything ourselves. So she bought automatic presses and and had she basically moved half of her friends to Reno, Nevada, and started doing everything there in house. Obviously, living in Los Angeles, that is virtually impossible, right? I mean, I would have to buy in huge amounts of money to to get to make that possible. So um, we have, you know, a tiny team, and when I say tiny, it's it's three of us. <laughs> It's, it's, I, the first person I called was one of my very best friends, Alyssa, who I hope when she hears this, um, she knows how important she is. Um, she is basically the, uh, she's like my little angel on my shoulder. So when I want to say things, she's my happiness interpreter. She's my polite interpreter. (laughs) So she does all of our customer service and admin stuff. Anytime you email DNDL, that's who you're talking to. And she's doing that out of Sacramento, California. And I'm down here in the Southern part of California. Um, and then I have another person up in San Francisco who is our social media person. And um, between them and our photographers, it's really, I mean, that I guess that puts us at a whopping five people. 
Um, and we manage all of the media, the creative decisions, really creative is really more me. Um, and I work with the designers and the manufacturers. And then we have a third party shipper at this moment. We may start to do that ourselves when I, um, if I can get enough people to come over here and work for me in SoCal. Um, but for right now, it's, it's really just the tiniest team and it's like a ragtag bunch of friends that we're just trying to like keep this brand going type of thing. Well, you said someone, you had someone who was like the angel on your shoulder. That mm-hmm. implies that you have a devil on your other shoulder. So who's influencing the bad decisions? Oh, that's just me. That's just your natural <laughs> state. Okay. That's my natural state. So I say that because Alyssa, Alyssa is the best person to do customer service because you know, I'm not, it's been years since I worked in customer service. So my replies are going to be shorter, more blunt. I probably am not going to think it through. She's Mrs. PC, you know, so she's, she's got, and I say that with all, all the love and respect, but she, she has got the goods for customer service. I would mess that up. I'd be like, I don't know, dude, just, I don't know, deal with it. It looks great. You know, <laughs> you look, you look fine. Who's more sensitive that your two big audiences are powerlifters and CrossFitters, right? Oh, oh, who's, no. who's a little more, who's a little more sensitive when it comes to like reaching out to the brand. If like they have an issue that needs to be resolved. By the way, I think we have a wider audience than that. We do have like tons of regular gym goers and, and strong men and strong women and things like that. Strong people, I should say. Uh, but I, you know, <laughs> that's a tough one, man. <laughs> Who's more sensitive? I think everybody when it comes to clothing is, is super, uh, well, they have, they have sensitive expectations, right? And I also think when you have a brand, the interesting thing, I'm going to avoid answering directly your question. I'm going to be honest about that. Um, (laughs) The interesting thing about taking over a brand though, that already existed for five years um, before you came in is you're not just like starting a company, right? You're not starting a company. You're stepping into an existing space where people have existing expectations. And that has been the hardest part for me to deal with because I need to understand that everybody has these expectations because they've been here, right? Some of these these uh, customers have been buying DNDL before I even started buying DNDL, so they have every right to have expectations. And excuse my phone, um, and to you know complain if things aren't up to the, what they've been ex- used to experiencing. Um, and, and also they're confused about who I even am. So it's been a game of like me trying to present myself to the Dean deal audience in a, in a small way when I need to, and also backing away and allowing the brand to be more about the brand and less about who is behind the brand. I think that has been the, the thing that I'm having to navigate because you know, it, it probably was a little bit more about Chrissy before and about the team. We got to make it more about the clothes. So that's why I'm sort of going into like designing new clothes and, you know, not putting myself in the pictures and things like that. But I think everybody on, that has been shopping with them, it's not a matter of what sport they, they compete in. I'll give you this. It's more about how long they've been shopping with DNDL. It's the longer fans are like, hey, where's this? Where's that? I want to see this. And, and they got demands. So. Well, strength athletes are, it, it's a demanding bunch. Let's, let's put it that way. They're, people are very, people are very particular, especially because if you are a strength athlete 
no matter what level of competitive you are, you're probably type A. You're all about self-improvement and tracking your progress, and you might be a little bit intense, and most of the people listening to this podcast are strength athletes of some sort. And I don't mean that as an insult. It's just kind of can be like an intense crowd. People are very dedicated and they like what they like. Otherwise, we wouldn't be powerlifters and weightlifters and crossfitters and strong men and strong women. You yourself are a strength athlete. You were a donuts and deadlifts athlete before you were the owner and CEO. Tell us a little bit about your journey in strength sports. My journey in strength sports, I kind of accidentally stumbled on powerlifting because I, I thought I would be good at, at CrossFit. I'm laughing. Sorry at myself. <laughs> uh, I, I really did though. I'm telling you, dude, I like literally, this was years ago, right? This was years ago. I was a little bit younger and a little more agile and I was training CrossFit so religiously and, um, I wanted to, I did like, you know, local wads and things like that, but nothing like I had no confidence to go to bigger competitions because I was still missing a lot of pieces of my CrossFit game. Right. Um, and so my coach at the time, Gabriel Perez out in North Pasadena, California, he basically put his, sorry, I'm cracking up myself. He put his hand on my shoulder and was like, look, dude, you're never going to make it to regionals. <laughs> He said, you're like, you're going to be 30 soon. You're not going to get muscle ups this year. And like time's ticking, dude. But here's the thing. You're the strongest person in the gym and you don't even work on strength. So why don't we enter you in a powerlifting meet? And I was so insulted. I was so insulted. I was like, I will do strongman. I will do something. I'm not doing powerlifting. That's, that's, you know, there's, there's no like real finesse to it. I didn't know anything about powerlifting. And so, um, finally he convinced me to go to barbell brigade to check out the gym. And he's like, you need to like, at least lift with real equipment because we don't have any of that stuff here. So I go to barbell brigade and it's at barbell brigade that I meet a bunch of like serious at that time. There's not a lot of them now at Barbell Brigade, but there was at that time crazy serious powerlifters, right? Um, including my husband. And that's where I met him. And so I met this group of just giant men who were just pounding these crazy weights I had never seen in my life. I had never seen a guy squat over maybe four plates probably in a, in a CrossFit gym, right? No offense to CrossFitters, sorry. Um, but it's just not, it's not an everyday occurrence to see a guy right, right. squatting 600 plus. The, the quote we're going to pull from this is CrossFitters are weak. No, get your, no, act, get your act together. Dude, not at all. Go look at who I follow online. I still follow a lot of OG like CrossFitters. But um, anyway, I saw these guys just squatting like 700 pounds, like benching 500 like for reps. It was crazy. So uh, I started to understand that this was more than just, you know, like some sort of like lazier sport, right? That's, what, that's kind of what I had thought of it as. That's what the CrossFit community at that time had said about it. You know, you know these aren't my opinions, obviously. Um, and so I started to see how much skill it took, how much strength it would require. And, um, and so I started training both for a little while. And then when my husband and I started getting better friends, it was, he, he's the one who, who convinced me that like, if you want to get good at strength, you're going to need to stop doing so much <laughs> like anaerobic conditioning every day. <laughs> so, um, so I gave it a shot for like six weeks. I stopped doing CrossFit for six weeks and then I did my first meet. And, um, I just ran like a template program from like probably juggernaut 
Sorry about that. Um, and uh, I got an elite total. So from there, it was like everyone was telling me, you know, you've got something. And I competed like four times in a row in the next year. And it just took off. It was crazy. I was in Power Magazine. It was so nuts. Like I just, I didn't, I, my head was still spinning the entire year. Like how did that happen? Do you ever wake up and you like crave, not that powerlifters don't do conditioning. I think that's a, that's a misconception. The powerlifters do no conditioning. But do you ever like wake up and 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 crave like going for a run or doing a wad with running in it? Or are you just like, nah, that's way behind me? You know, what's interesting is every morning when I wake up for the last three months, I do 45 minutes of cardio um, in my garage. I have a stair climber in my garage. That's like old bodybuilding style cardio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We took, we, we, we're doing the whole bodybuilder cardio thing. Cause as you get older, like you said, I can't just go out and go for a run, which not, I don't think there's ever been a moment to answer a question in my whole life where I've been like, yes, let me just wake up and run. Even when I was doing it, even when I was doing it for CrossFit, I mean, I was waking up doing track workouts, all that stuff. Dude, no, there's never, to answer your question, never a day where I'm like, hell yeah, <laughs> I want to just just grind the shit out of my knee joints so bad. Because um, no, I have so many injuries. I'm so beat up. Um, I think, but yes, I did, I did miss cardio, which is why I took a break from powerlifting for this year to just really improve my conditioning, improve my fit, overall physical fitness. And even just like I'm going for hikes almost every day and stuff. So yeah, there, there is a big part of me that missed it. That's why I needed this year to like clear the air a little. <laughs> I've, well, it's, it's also, you know, it's not like you took over a business or anything this year as well. There's that. Yeah. <laughs> <a little> bit. <laughs> I mean, your timing was probably good. The year you decided to take off from competing and to like take a step back and do, you know, work out a little bit more at home and get outside and enjoy nature just happens to be the year when like everything shuts down and you really can't compete. Absolutely. I think, I think a lot of people, I don't know what your feed looks like, but it it feels like a lot of people are getting back to like basics, um, with just, you know, going on more walks, getting just healthier, I guess you could say, because I mean, at a certain point when you're competing in powerlifting, I think we all can agree maybe privately, but I'll just say it publicly. Like when you're competing at elite level of powerlifting, it's not the healthiest conditioning you're ever going to be in. I was feeling super sluggish for a couple years where I had put on, you know, I was in the 160s to compete in at 165. And I don't think my body was necessarily like super comfortable there. And it was like, I had to eat up constantly to stay a little bit bigger, to stay stronger, which was great for my strength, but like terrible for my cardio. I was feeling like like uh, my joints were hurting. I was out of breath and, you know, not able to like really like jog through an airport or go upstairs like with that, with, you know, with the same quickness. And I mean, <clears throat> that's not good <laughs> when you call yourself an athlete and you can barely like walk up flights of stairs without getting out of breath. So, so I think, yeah, this, I've seen a lot of people, not just me, a lot of people get back to like getting their fitness together, like their overall health. Well, I think that the the stereotype of and forgive forgive the the illustration, but the stereotype of powerlifters just eating donuts and doing deadlifts and sitting down, like it's a it's a little broader than that. And I th- I feel like that was actually maybe a that was potentially a trend in the powerlifting community even before COVID. Was like, hey, maybe we should do a little bit of aerobic conditioning here. Maybe we should yes. do a little bit more GPP. Yes, I mean even. 
I was talking to T about this, even, you know, Stan Efferty and Mark uh, Bell with their 10 minute walks. I mean, they made that super popular. And while I don't agree with a ton of stuff that they say about, um, about training sometimes, um, or at least I don't, you know, I don't, they're not like the people I go to straight away for like fitness advice anymore. But, um, but that was, they were really, yeah, they were ahead of the time and they got hundreds of thousands of people to do it. I saw people with their hashtags, 10 minute walk all over my Instagram feed. And I, you know, I think, yeah, you're right. They were getting ahead of that, um, that trend and then boom, this hit and it turned, you know, it really, we all had to kind of pivot and just think about what's, what is really important, right? Like getting exercise and stimulus doesn't always have to look one way. Um, it doesn't have to look like four sets of six, you know, um, it could look like going out and playing basketball and you're not going to lose every single thing you've worked so hard for in the past decade by just chilling out for a little while, you know? And so I think, yeah, they were ahead of the time and this whole thing has had to make us really take a different look at our fitness overall. But I'm, I'm really sad though, that the gyms are closed. Don't get me wrong. I'm super sad. It's, it's like, I feel for everybody. Well, take it from Amanda, folks. It doesn't have to be four sets of six. It could be five sets of five. It could it be could three be. sets of seven. It could be. It could be it could three be sets 10 of ten. By ten. Yeah, it could be ten. It could well, be it could ten by ten. It could be German volume. <laughs> you have you have so many options for your fitness, and it all is all just variations on the same thing. No, I I I I, I, I take that I take that back. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm putting words in your mouth. You, who do you look for? I'm curious when it comes to like, who are your go-tos for people who you think might be ahead of the curve or just putting out really good information when it comes to fitness content, specifically strength? Hmm. That's interesting. The fitness uh, content world is kind of like turned into this like vortex of the same stuff. Um, and so I'm, I'm constantly looking for new like influencers to, to have watched. Cause I, I'm addicted to like influencers. I don't, I don't know. I'm a fan. I'm a fan. Like I, I like it. I like watching their content. I don't care if you guys think it's cheesy. It's, I like it, but I do watch, you know, squat university always puts out educational stuff. You guys always put educational stuff. And I actually, I like Barben cause they give like highlight reels. So if I didn't catch everybody's big lifts of the week because I'm busy with D&DL and stuff, um, I usually see it through Barben. So keep doing that because I love seeing those big lifts when they happen. I mean, we're not, none of us are really doing a lot of big lifts or not a lot of us. Um, and let's see, but I still follow the same people I followed. Uh, I do follow a lot more doctors. I don't know if that's because he's going to medical school now, but Dr. Arnolsky, I, I watch his stuff a lot. Oh, Spencer, um, Spencer. Yeah, yeah. Nelsky, yeah, yeah. He's he's a he's very controversial, but sometimes, but for saying like very min- mundane things, like just normal facts. But I like his I like his uh, memes and I like his con- uh, comment sections. It gets spicy. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I guess it is sort of getting a little redundant. I, I see a lot of like reels, <laughs> a lot of reels, a lot of like influencer reels. And I'm not, I, I think this year is, is hard pressed for inspiration. I think. It's so funny Sorry. that you mentioned squat university. Cause Aaron, who the, who is squat university, who runs squat university. He was literally the last person I talked to on this podcast before recording with you. 
And I don't like, oh, really? it's, it, it's, that's so, it's so incredibly random. I literally talked to him. I think it was, ye- I think it was yesterday we recorded. It was oh, wow. come out for a few weeks. We recorded a few weeks ahead of time. But like, okay. when, when you said that, I was like, wait a minute, did you, did you like coordinate this with no. him or something like that? Yeah. He's no. great. And I'm going to tell him you're a super fan because he super puts out, fan. he's got another book coming out too in January, yes. I think. So oh, I can't wait to hear the podcast. Yeah, it was fun. He's he's we've worked with him before. We're gonna start doing some more stuff with him. He's super. He's one of those people you you talk to, and you're like, oh, I'm not the smartest person in this conversation. Oh, for well, that's everybody. That's, <laughs> <laughs> I live I live with a smarty pants in my house, so that's every day for me. I just kind of listen and go, oh, oh, really? Oh, okay. <laughs> well, you live in you live in Southern California, so everyone's like good at pretending to be smart. I'm not convinced. I'm not convinced they're smart. I think everyone's just a really good actor. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, there's an element of that. But I think it all depends on your circle, right? I I feel like I have a really pretty smart circle, pretty savvy circle. I'm just a jaded New Yorker. You can tell me to shut up, by the way. Like, no, I'm, uh, I I'm totally right. I think you're totally right. And but it's someone who's like native from LA. I, I know that I know the real people, you know what I mean? Like it's the transplants that kind of mess it up for everybody. And, that, and that's the same with New York too. I feel like it, it, it's a lot of transplants and, and people like bridge and tunnel people that kind of mess it up for New Yorkers. Ooh, this, we're talking about some controversial topics here on this podcast. Oh my goodness. <laughs> well, not mess it up, not mess it up. Let's okay. For my Jersey people, please don't hate me. It's not that it's that, we get the an image of the New York accent, the New York you know persona, but those aren't really like New York people a lot of times. Those are like people that live in the outlying areas of New York. It's like the cast of Jersey Shore. They most of them weren't actually from. They weren't from the Jersey Shore. The Jersey Shore was like where they went. They were from like Staten Island or exactly. Long Island. Gotcha. Exactly. John's so, sweating. People people are going to send me uh, hate mail from this. The New Yorkers. It, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be okay. Ninety percent of our readers are angry powerlifters from New Jersey, so they're gonna hate this. No, I'm, I'm absolutely, I'm absolutely kidding. Um, just se- just se- just seventy percent, just seventy percent. Okay, great, great. Like the people you don't want to see at a powerlifting meet. I'm 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 joking. We don't want we don't want to take ourselves too seriously. That's another thing I like about the strength community. Like, look, you look at a brand like Donuts and Deadlifts, you can't take yourself too seriously. If you are repping that brand. Nope. Nope. (laughs) That's our motto. We are, our whole thing is we are for people made by people for people that take their training seriously, but not necessarily themselves seriously. I think that's a, that's a great, that's a great framing. And sometimes like the next time I miss a lift in the gym, because I don't, I don't really compete these days because <laughs> uh, I'm also old and busted up. The next time, like the next time you, the training gets serious, it's nice to have that reminder. And so if I see someone wearing like a donuts, a deadlift shirt, sometimes it's a nice reminder. It's like, okay, why are we really in this? It's about self-improvement and not everything's going to be imperfect. So now I'm going to go like the reason I straight trained in the first place or started was so I could go like eat something like donuts or go like enjoy some food. So I'm going right. to keep that in mind too. It's a good yeah. reminder. It's a good reminder. Balance. I feel like it's donuts came, donuts and came into my life at a really good time because I was completely lacking balance in my own training. And now that I run donuts and deadlifts, I realize I have to live the motto a little bit more. 
And, you know, when things mess up at, at donuts, like at, you know, back in the, you know, behind the scenes, or if I mess up in the gym, it's just, you got to just like, let it roll off your back a little bit, learn from your mistake and move on. And it's the way that I coach it's the way that I teach my athletes. It's the same. You, you really, and I feel like we tell ourselves as athletes or competitive people that if we don't take every single thing seriously, that we're not going to get where we need to go. And that's just not true. It's just not true. You can have fun and still be an elite powerlifter, still be really good at whatever it is that you compete at. It's possible, I swear. Have the donut, relax, chill. Enjoy <laughs> I, it for yourself. I can't top that. So we're <laughs> gonna we're gonna basically end the podcast now. Amanda, what's the best way for people to stay up to date with you and also to stay up to date with donuts and deadlifts? Probably Instagram, Instagram at donuts and deadlifts. It's donuts with a D O U G H, not the D O N. Uh, and Hopperican at H A P A R I C A N. Hopperican. That's me. Perfect. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us. Thank you. 